It's Combine Week, Steelers fans. The NFL draft, pre-draft process is about to ramp up to an entirely new level. So what better time for a seven-round mock draft from the yeah. legendary Jeremy Betts. Welcome into the Steelers Fix. My name is Andrew Wilbar here on the Steelers Fix. We always give you a player development aspect of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We always focus on player development and roster building, but always with a Steelers slant and a Steelers perspective, always alongside the legendary Jeremy Betts. Jeremy, I'm excited to talk about your mock draft today as well as some Steelers news. Never a dull moment in either the NFL draft landscape or the Pittsburgh Steelers landscape. Never a dull moment, and that's great because otherwise the offseason would be forever long. So let's enjoy it while it lasts. I am uh, I I consider myself a um, connoisseur of of draft content, not necessarily uh, one who puts out a lot of in depth draft content. I leave that up to you, Andrew. I take the easy way out. You do the, your your mock drafts for every team and. Uh, by the end of it, I'm sure you'll do all seven rounds again, which always amazes me how you could ever put something like that together. I do all seven rounds as well, but for one team. How about that? Let's do it. That's the easy way, and we did it for the Pittsburgh Steelers this time. A lot of fun. Um, a lot of Georgia players. <laughs> but That's I think that kind of – Yeah, I, I, you know, that kind of fits with the mold of the way the Steelers have done things in the past. So uh, before we get to the mock draft, I'm sure we'll get to some news, but before we even do that, I just wanted to say that this mock draft – uh, just to clarify, it's not necessarily something that I would do if I were the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I might go a different route. This was from the perspective of what I think the Steelers would be leaning towards at the time that I wrote this uh, mock draft. So uh, the positions, the maybe the players, but more so the positions um, that they would address in this draft and, and kind of the order I think that they might do so. I think most people have a wrong perception of mock drafts. And I'm glad that you mentioned ex the, like this is projection based for you. And I do mine the same way. The, a lot of people that are out there doing mocks, they're always talking about, Oh, well, this, you know, I think that this makes the most sense. So I, I think that, you know, this is the best fit for this team. So I'm going to give this player, this guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess if you're going from the perspective, I think the NFL thinks the exact same way that I do, you're going to come out with a similar mock draft, but if you don't, your mocks are going to be very vastly different based upon the way that you're doing them. The way the mock draft originated was based upon projection. It's a projection yep. as to how the draft is actually going to go. And another common thing that people misconceive about the draft and mock drafts in specific is that it's it's virtually impossible to get like a perfect mock draft. Like that's not a that's not a real thing. Yeah. A lot of people talk about you know oh this person he got more picks wrong than he got right. Well that's everybody. If yeah. you listen, if you get a, say eight, a quarter of the picks dead on in the first round, that's a pretty stinking good mock draft. Yeah. If you get twenty five of the thirty two players in the first round that you project in the first round, that's a pretty good mock draft. Yeah. So it, it, it's it's not an easy thing to do, and a lot of people take it for granted. But I'm glad that you pointed out specifically that it is projection based. And that gives people a little bit of perception because so many people go out and attack the author. Why yeah. would you give this player? <laughs> Happened to me this week. It's not based upon what I would do if I was the GM. Yeah. It's based upon what the Steelers, or I believe the Steelers or whatever team I'm mocking for, what they would do. But Jeremy, is there any other, before we get into some Steelers news, just broadly, what were some of the things that were going through your mind as you were 
just evaluating the philosophy for the Steelers in this mock draft? Well, I think it goes back to Andy Weidel. I think it goes back to the that Philadelphia Eagles roots there and what from a personnel perspective, it, it seems like the Steelers are have been trying to do now the last couple of years, and that is build those trenches. And that was the title of the seven round mock draft was beefing up the trenches. I mean, that just seems to be the philosophical approach right now for the Steelers. And I don't hate it. I actually really like it. I think it's the way you build rosters these days. You find a quarterback, you build the trenches, and then you got to figure some other things out, obviously. Um, But the Steelers are in great shape. If you, if you look at teams across the league, there's, there's very few that can say that they have a good offensive line. I would label the Steelers offensive line as good, not great. With with the additions that they could make to it, I think it could be really good. Really, really good. Um, there's not many teams that have a good offensive line, an elite pass rusher, a lockdown CB1 on the perimeter, and a defensive playmaker of some kind uh, on the back end, like Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, you know, somebody like that. There's not a lot of teams who have that in and of itself, let alone the all-star quarterback and all the weapons around them. So the Steelers have a good foundational group. And I think some of the supporting cast pieces are really, really good. But Andrew, I think the Steelers could, could absolutely improve in the trenches and help out whatever they're going to do at quarterback. That was kind of my philosophy. Well, let me rephrase that. Not my philosophy, but based on what we hear from the Pittsburgh Steelers, based on how they've done business recently is the philosophy. I think that they will approach the draft with is figure out the trend or fix the trenches and then figure out the rest in, in the latter portion of the draft and free agency. Yeah. If you, if the Steelers can only do so much at the quarterback position, just based upon where they're picking and they determine that they are going to give Kenny Pickett another year, which it appears to be the direction they're trending, then you have to at least give him the full opportunity by giving him everything he needs in order to succeed. So you have, if you do bring back Kenny Pickett, which the, we expect the Steelers to do so, then you've got to put everything around him. If you can't get the quarterback, you better find everything around the quarterback you currently have. You got to have one or the other, and it'll be interesting to see what the Steelers do at the quarterback position. We discussed that some in previous weeks. Before we get into anything else, make sure that you are checking out the Steel Curtain Network, SteelCurtainNetwork.com, the editorial side. We have this. You can check out Jeremy's mock draft. You can check out my NFL mock draft. You can check all the our content out there. We're going to have a bunch of draft content between now and the draft. Don't just brush this off. If you're a listener that listens only to our shows on the podcast, and make sure you're clicking over to the Steel Curtain Network. It's, uh, we're, it's still a fairly new site, uh, but we're excited about it. Those of you that followed us back at Behind the Steel Curtain, many of the same writers you're going to find here. Uh, we absolutely love what's going on, and we're excited for the future. Uh, it's, it's We're very excited. But make sure that you're checking that out. Make sure that you are checking out the Fans First Sports Network feed of NFL podcasts as well, because Jeremy and I have a draft show. And all of you that are listening are probably like, yeah, 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 whatever. We'll check it out whenever we get time. Don't just brush <laughs> this off as this little advertisement. Okay, stop for a minute. And you, you're getting an NFL-wide landscape. So whether you're a Steelers fan, whether you have somebody else, word to mouth, word to mouth. If you have a friend who is into the NFL draft, but it's that guy who just irritates you to no end. It's like, I really wish that someone would just kick some sense into them that the Steelers do it the right way. 
yeah. Come tell them to come and check out our draft show. We're not gonna be we're not gonna hide the fact that we're Steelers fans, but we do look at it from an NFL perspective. Make sure that you check, yeah. tell your friends to check out the fans for sports network feeds. We come out with the NFL draft preview show uh, every Wednesday, I believe is is when it comes out. Uh, so make sure you're checking that out. Uh, we have a lot of good content coming, but Jeremy, before we get into our break real quick, Mason Cole yeah, was finally released this week. And I think many of us anticipated this happening. I don't think that anyone can say that it was a bad signing when it first happened. And I think, I think, Based upon the amount of money that he signed for, I think the Steelers got their worth out of it. I don't. I believe that he was worth every penny of the money the Steelers paid him to come in and solidify a position that was going through a lot of turmoil at the time. Any thoughts on Mason Cole? I believe this needed to happen. It happened. Yeah. Obviously, hope nothing but the best for Mason Cole going forward. I think. I, I don't think Steelers fans should regret signing him for one minute. I think he did. He, he did his job as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Yeah, he was my big win of the offseason two years ago because I predicted at the beginning of the free agency cycle uh, that the Steelers could go after him. In fact, I think I wrote an article that had him coming to the Steelers as as an offseason yeah. signing because of his. Did. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I thought I thought so. That was one of those things that we both agreed on, you know, very strongly that he could be a good option for the Steelers. Position versatility, um, a lot of experience, and we both thought hadn't quite reached his ceiling. Well, ended up being more of a stopgap player. That's fine. I think for the money you paid him, absolutely he did um, as much as you could expect out of him. Now, did he fall off pretty quickly? Yeah, he did. It was rough in the, in the uh, second half of last season specifically. But, um, you know, uh, allowing the Steelers to move on from Kendrick Green at center was a big plus. And now hopefully the Steelers this offseason, as we'll see in my mock draft, can improve on Mason Cole as well. well we're going to be getting into that mock draft on the other side of the break. So you won't want to go anywhere. The Steelers fix. We'll be right back mock drafting in a pre-combine edition of Jeremy's Steelers seven-round mock draft right after Welcome back to the second half of the Steelers Fix. Andrew Wilbar and Jeremy Betts with you. I'm excited, Jeremy. On our draft show this week, we're going to be talking about my NFL mock draft. But today here yeah. on the Steelers Fix, we're talking about your mock draft. I'm really excited about this. I look, I'm looking at this mock draft now, and I've got to say it's very different than any other mock draft that you will see out there, but I like it because it yeah. prioritizes positions the Steelers need to go after and get younger at. And we're going to start off in the first round. You have the Steelers going uh, a direction that I think would make a lot of sense. This was Andy Weidel's connections to Philadelphia and their prioritization of the trenches. And you also come by the fact the Steelers like drafting young, athletic prospects. This one makes a ton of sense. Take it away. Yeah, I went with offensive tackle Amarius Mims from Georgia. None other than the University of Georgia. Where else would the Steelers find top-end prospects from in recent years than UGA? I think it's a, it's kind of one of those match-made-in-heaven type picks if the Steelers were to end up landing him because, in my opinion, he fits maybe the biggest need on the team. Uh, 
because Broderick Jones can slide over to left tackle. And I think that that is an immediate, uh, calculatable, calculable, however you say that word, upgrade on Dan Moore Jr. on day one. Move him over there and let him play his natural position and I, let Dan Moore be your swing tackle. Um, all offseason, let him train on the right side, left side. Let him be your swing tackle and then pop in Amarius Mims here. Mims is raw. I'll give him that, okay? It, he is a raw prospect to a point. Nine games, I think, is all he started in college, but six foot seven, 340 pounds, and very, very clean for a prospect who has not played um, as a starter for as much as he has. I just think that it's come out since I wrote this that the Steelers are pretty happy with Dan Moore Jr., and I, I can believe that. So I don't know if maybe necessarily this would be the pick, but it makes a ton of sense. If, if that is a smoke screen and, you know, they're just trying not to tip their hand um, because I think we can all agree. The Steelers have, have kind of been easy to pick as far as what their first round pick is going to be, at least by position the last few years, maybe they're trying to hide that a little bit better this time. I don't know, but Mims to me is, is an incredible uh, talent and a guy that if it, if he had played more college ball, would probably be up there with the uh, Joe Alts and Fashanus and and uh, Fatanus of the world as well, um, and for what he can do on the offensive line. I like Amarius Mims for a guy that is that big. He is pretty light on his feet. He moves oh, he, well. Yes. I tell you what, if the Steelers bring back Dan Moore, if it's as a swing tackle, I'm fine with it. Yeah. If he's starting. I, uh, my, it, it's not so much that I would be entirely opposed to trying him at right tackle. My concern is if he's starting, does that mean the Steelers are going to continue putting him at left tackle and keeping Broderick yeah. Jones on the right side, which I believe is a detrimental mistake for this team. If they do that, they are setting back Broderick Jones and his development by years. Yeah. Just like I would argue the Steelers should switch where the two guards are playing, James Daniels and Isaac Samalo. I think that needs to change. Uh, I believe they're more natural positions. They're, they're swap legitimately. Like these seem like easy fixes for the Steelers yeah. <laughs> offensive line. There has to be something that we don't know, but with Dan Moore jr. I, I'm sorry. He, he would be fine as a swing tackle. If he is starting, I've got some concerns. So the Steelers need to address offensive tackle Talisa Fuaga, probably off the board by this point, who I believe is the best right tackle in this draft. But I tell you what, with a guy like Mims, he has that continuity with Broderick Jones that at least signals to me that the Steelers are going to move Jones to the left side where he should be playing already. And you've got, got two guys that aren't just extremely athletic, but they can get things done in both the run and pass game. They're not yeah. just one dimensional and they're blocking. Uh, or was there any other name that you would have considered here as it pertains to pick t at 20? What would have been maybe your secondary option here if you wouldn't have gone this route, whether it be a tackle or the yeah. Yeah, so I guess my other option at tackle would be Tyler Guyton. I really like him at 20 as well. I think he could be a good fit for them. Um, he's uber athletic, just a freak of an athlete, and I think he would fit in with what the Steelers like as well. Uh, part of the other reason I went with Mims was not just Georgia, but he's an underclassman too, um, you know, a junior coming out. And I, I think that that is uh, – it resonates with the Steelers. Uh, they they like their juniors in the first round. So uh, along that line of thinking too, completely different position, completely uh, other side of the ball. Uh, Cooper DeGene from Iowa, 
is a guy. He's probably my favorite player in the draft, Andrew Cooper DeGene. And I just think his versatility, his athleticism with what the Steelers have um, as far as needs go in the secondary, you need a, a cornerback opposite Joey Porter Jr. You really need another playmaker at safety. Um, my comp for Cooper DeGene, ironically enough, is Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, they are basically identical players. DeGene doesn't quite have the elite top-end speed, I don't think, of a Minka Fitzpatrick when he was coming out of college, but their versatility and the way that they can play, those two guys in, in the secondary would be absolutely massive. You get a Cooper DeGene and a Minka Fitzpatrick and a Joey Porter Jr. on the field at the same time, and you can do anything you want to, disguising coverages and handling whatever uh, ratios on snaps that you want. They can all rotate into different spots, um, specifically Minka and Cooper DeGene. That that would be an amazing safety tandem where I think DeGene would be awesome. But, uh, I mean, he could, he could play opposite Joey Porter Jr. and be the team's uh, CB2 right away. Yeah, with Gene, the only thing that I don't like is that that would bring the Steelers back to stronger zone concepts. True. Because uh, that is definitely Gene's strength. Uh, but as it pertains to athleticism, if, if Gene was healthy for the combine, he would have totally torn it up. That guy is going to te- – he would test off the charts in pretty much every category. One of the most athletic defensive players in this entire draft. Uh, one one name that like we've talked about before, another corner would have been Quinian Mitchell with the yeah. Mac connection. I would love to see Mitchell and Porter across from each other. Ideally, I'd like a veteran across from Porter, but sure. Still, uh, there's a lot of options the Steelers are going to have at corner. That's going to be where you're going to see that run on corners between 15 and 25. You're going to see those four or five corners that we all kind of have grouped together: the Terry and Arnolds, the Nate Wiggins, yeah. Cooper DeGene, Quinian Mitchell. All those guys are going to once one goes. You're going to see those guys going off pretty quickly, I think. Uh, yeah. But I think, I think by the time it's all said and done, Mitchell's going to be the first corner off the board, though. I think he's going to be. Uh, you've got him ranked as your top corner, right? I believe, and mm-hmm. and I think it's going to play out that way. I think he's going to be the first corner selected. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's inside that those top uh, thirteen or so picks of the draft. Don't be surprised if Mitchell runs a low four three. In the 40 at the combine this week. I think he's going to surprise some people with some speed. But it's going to be fast. Amarius Mims is one guy. The second pick is another one that Steelers fans, I believe, would fall in love with. And that's Zach Frazier uh, from West Virginia. Now, as it pertains to upside, he may not have the athletic upside of a Cedric Van Praan or even Jackson Powers Johnson. Yeah. But the dude is physical as all get out. He is tough. Obviously, wrestling background. Tell us a little bit more about Zach Frazier, a guy who really we've got to be considered a local guy, a local pick. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on Zach Frazier? Well, first of all, if, and it's a big, if Zach Frazier lasts till 51 at this point, because the, the hype on these centers is, is actually going up. And I, obviously when you start doing these things, Andrew, and you'll, you'll get this too. You'll start hearing names of guys um, starting to move up and you're like, wait, wait a minute. We, we, this is like the fifth position group now where there's like five guys moving up into the first few picks of the second round. Not everybody's going to be taken in the first 10 picks of the second round. Somebody's going to fall back. So Mm -hmm. I'm playing the game here where positional value uh, takes a tumble for, for Zach Frazier here. And I think, you know, once it's all said and done um, and the draft comes around, he might actually be the third ranked center because of his, 
relative inability to show his stuff this offseason because of the injury. Um, and then you've got Van Praan and you've got um, you've got Jackson Powers Johnson, who Powers Johnson really made his mark at the Senior Bowl. He's going to keep continuing to rise. But Van Praan's been the forgotten man. I think he's there's got to be a point here in this in this draft process where he kind of shoots his stock back up a little bit too. And I think that that happens here um, over over the course of this next weekend and and probably uh, through the pro day process as well. So, uh, but that being said, the Steelers. Um, if they can figure out the pivot, Andrew, I think that that helps James Daniels and Isaac Sayamalu a whole heck of a lot. And a guy like Frazier, just he, he's always in the right spot. Um, he's he's not a guy that's going to uh, a, allow free rushers up the gut at, based on misprotections or things like that. He's going to call it the right way because he's been there, done that for excuse me for four years now at West Virginia, he's a great player. And I just think that he immediately solidifies a, a weak spot for your team. And I mean, if you're, if you come out of this draft with the offensive line completely fixed, and I think that that's what you're looking at with these two picks, then I think that you have already won the draft. If you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. The one, the big thing for Frazier this week, is because he's obviously not going to be able to participate in everything, but one thing is going to be the arm measurement, arm length with him, because you do have the length concerns with him. If if his arms measure in at 32 and a half inches or even less than that, I think that's something that could affect his draft stock and is probably going to cause the drop a bit. Uh, But if he's getting into that 33-inch mark, which is kind of that threshold for interior, really any lineman in general, you want at least 33 inches on the interior. I think that he's he's right in that range and I, I like your point about how not everyone can fall so this is something that Steelers fans specifically and I think a lot of fans that you know we try to be as real as we can even though we are fans yeah. but it, sometimes we almost do it to a fault where we think everything is gonna be the worst case scenario this guy could be off the board yes that guy could be off the board but there if all these guys are off the board that means there's gonna be a really good player that you did not yeah. expect to be there that fell I mean everyone thought Will Levis is probably gonna go what top 15 top 20 last year falls out of the first round entirely. Joey Porter Jr., oh, the, the Steelers may not even be able to get him in the fir- with their first-round pick. Guess what? The Steelers got him with their second-round pick. Yeah, exactly. I mean, th- there's, there's guys that we think, oh, they're going to go so high. I mean, we were talking about before the draft, Jeremy, Joey Porter's stock is dropping, and there's no true reason why he's yeah. dropping, and people are going to regret it. We both were talking about this before the draft, and we were all like, if he happens to fall to 32, regardless of how high – with Joy Porter Jr., which corner you like, whether yeah. it's Christian Gonzalez or whomever. But you look back at last year's draft, I think we would all agree Joey Porter Jr. was the best one out of that bunch. And yeah. he definitely has the highest upside of any of them. I, I'm excited to see how this draft plays out because every year there's someone that you don't expect to fall that's going to fall. Not everyone can be gone. When you look at the teams that need center, yes, there are teams that need center. But that doesn't mean everyone is going to. Free agency is going to take care of some of those needs for those teams. And I don't yep. think there's an overabundance of needs at center. There's teams that could afford to upgrade it. Yeah. And it, I could be entirely wrong. But if you're the Steelers, the downside about taking one at 20, and I would like to get your thoughts on this. I know we still have some more picks to get to. But the the with if the Steelers take a one at 20, and more than likely you're not going to have a center go before that. Just looking at past drafts and when you've seen guys like Creed Humphrey go off the board and Tyler Linderbaum, of course, would end up going in the first round. But the Steelers, 
can afford to, especially since they have a second second round pick, or if they decide to trade back from 20, it gives them some flexibility. There's no need to necessarily reach for a center at 20. What I would say there's at bare minimum a 50% chance one of these guys, as of today, falls. At least one yeah. guy falls to 51. Yeah. Maybe a better than 50% chance. And if you see two guys going off the board, say one goes at pick 30 and then uh, beginning of the second round, 33, 34, you see that second center go off the board. You have the ability, if you feel like you have to trade up, you yeah. can trade up for that third guy if you're comfortable with all three guys. It's just unless yeah. you have one specific one that you're going after in general. And then, you know, maybe that you have something a little bit more to be concerned about. But I'd like to get your thoughts on that because someone's got to drop, right? Yeah, and, and I think we all forget about, and I skipped over him in my uh, conversation just a minute ago, is Graham Barton from yeah. Duke, who – a lot of people like best at center and you know i know he played a lot of tackle at duke but he's played inside before and he's a, he's a guy who's a little bit he's not quite as got quite as long as of of arms as some of these guys not quite as broad as some of these guys who played tackle so he projects to move inside but you get a team that needs some center guard flexibility they're going to go after a guy like like barton probably before a frazier or a Cedric Van Praan, who is strictly a center. I mean, these guys are centers or bust. <laughs> That's what yeah. they are. So, um, yeah, absolutely. The less you can do, the farther you tend to fall to. I think it's a, a high possibility that Frazier ends up at, at 51. Um, you know, and, I mean, Andrew, look at this wide receiver class. Uh, I mean, even look at some of the running backs that are going to be available now on day two because nobody's going to take one in round one. Um, offensive tackles, I mean, there's going to be – there's a lot of positions with much higher value <laughs> that are going to be taken earlier quarterbacks too. We've seen it the last few years. Teams are actually kind of evaluating quarterbacks where they're at on the board, not necessarily where they're at in because they're quarterbacks. So yeah. I could easily see, you know, guys like Bo Nix and Michael Penix. Those guys aren't going in the first round. If I had to predict it today, I think that there's four quarterbacks going in the first round and, and then it dries up in my opinion pretty quickly because the value is just not there. And you see these guys go early day two. that plays into all this as well. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I could see a guy like Frazier, a guy like Van Prawn. the Steelers are going to have a, a good center option in round two to go after. I really believe that. Moving on to round three, we stay in the trenches, but we go to the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. And this player if, if you look at exclusively his tape from this past year when he wasn't 100%, you're not going to come away super impressed. But if you go back pre-injury, there was so much hype surrounding this guy, and I still believe there's a lot of untapped potential. Tell us a little bit more about your third-round selection and why you think he could warrant this high of a pick. Well, first off, the school he plays at, LSU, they they don't have little guys who can't do anything play on the defensive line. <laughs> That's just not yeah. how it works at LSU. So uh, – Mason Smith is my pick here for the Steelers. And um, so I think probably weighs in a little bit more than 300 pounds, which is my measurable here from uh, NFLDraftBuzz.com. But six foot four, 300 pounds, very flexible on the inside. He can play the three tech. He can move inside to zero and play nose. I like him at the nose. Um, but to me, he reminds me a lot of Keanu Benton, really, with that position flexibility. I think they're very similar players athletically. Long, lean, interior defensive lineman for, for their size. I I mean, they just move very well. And so, uh, uh, I mean, Mason Smith was on Bruce Feldman's freak list. I mean, he's 
he's an athlete at the along the interior defensive line and sneaky sneaky big time need for the Pittsburgh Steelers when you consider yeah. the fact that Cam Hayward is coming off of injuries I'm not so much concerned about Cam Hayward's ability to produce in 2024 it's the injury history now uh, soft tissue injuries another surgery this offseason uh, you know I hope he comes back 100% but the likelihood of that at his age is very low what are you going to do if Cam Hayward goes down for another eight games in 2024 um, and all you've got is because I I think Larry Ogunjobi's probably gone it's gonna be hard to get a bunch of guys back on the defensive line that you had here you're gonna have to bring in some unknowns why not go for a guy with some upside in the draft and you know this this guy just has he's got all the the skill sets that you want along the interior defensive line it's it he seems like he feels like a Steeler pick he really does and that's why I have him going to the Steelers in the third over a cornerback or a safety or uh, a you know a wide receiver maybe something that you might have pegged the Steelers maybe having a bigger need at. Yeah, the Steelers like drafting for a year in advance. And still, Cameron Hayward, you don't want Cameron Hayward to retire and not have anyone there. Even if Mason Smith doesn't develop into the long-term guy who's going to be the next Cam Hayward, you got to have someone in there that's going to be ready to develop. If you're drafting a guy like Mason Smith, he's not someone who's going to be an immediate producer. He's going to need some time because he is still raw. But like you said, he is strongly athletic, a little bit stiff, but that is something that can be fixed. And if you get, if you trust anyone with defensive linemen, Carl Dunbar is going to be near the or at the top of that list yeah. of guys that you trust to get the most out of a player. So unless the Steelers plan on moving Keanu Benton into Cameron Hayward's role once he retires and drafting a nose tackle, then I think you know it has to be considered this year, especially if you unless you want two rookie corners starting on the outside with your backups being Corey Trice and Darius Rush, two other young corners. You know, I don't know if that's the the way to go. The Steelers, if they're going to add a vet, you'd think it would be on the defense and the secondary and then get a young guy to replace Cam down the line. So Mason Smith's an interesting pick. I think there's a chance he could slide to day three, uh, but depending on, you know, the lack of depth, you know, I can definitely see the, the third round in that spot making a lot of sense. Fourth round, Kyrie Jackson. I'm going to just get, say both these since they're, pretty much right next to each other in the draft. Uh, Kyrie Jackson from Oregon, an incredibly long corner. He's get, His measurements are going to be outstanding at the yeah. combine. And then guy that you've talked about before, Joe Milton, quarterback from Tennessee, an upside prospect. What are the things you like about these two selections? Yeah, I mean, Kyrie Jackson is, is a phenomenal athlete. At 6'4", 203, I mean, he is – uh, he's another swing at the Corey Trice type player uh, at corner. And I think you can't have too many of those guys, especially the direction you're going. The Steelers kind of seem to be on the um, the lead edge, if you will, of the man coverage movement. And who would have thought that with Mike Tup- Tomlin being the the de- defensive uh, mind that he is uh, in his Tampa 2 um, roots. But they play a lot more man coverage than most other teams. They're, they're moving towards that direction a lot, and a, a lot of it has to do with the guys that they have on the back end. Uh, but you add a guy like Kyrie Jackson to compete for an outside corner spot. You add guys in like that to with Corey Trice and and then a veteran I'm sure that you're going to have in there. Um, it's just, it just gives you a lot of upside 
uh, and potential there at corner. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Kyrie Jackson goes before this as well. I think he's he's one of those guys with the measurables where the upside might play into him going 20 picks earlier than he probably should um, as far as talent goes. And then Joe Milton, the third, I've been on this guy since the beginning. I don't love taking him in the fourth round, but you don't have a fifth round pick if you're the Steelers. I didn't do any trades in this mock. I don't know if he's going to last to where you're going to be picking in the sixth. So if I'm going to draft a quarterback this year, I'm not going to draft one of the little guys, uh, you know, one of the six foot one, 210 pound guys that uh, it seems to be dominating uh, draft classes of recent years. I'm going to go after the guy with all the physical traits of the best quarterbacks in football, the Josh Allen's the uh, back in his prime Cam Newton. I mean, yep. even guys like, like Justin Herbert, uh, obviously Joe Milton has more rushing ability than a Justin Herbert does, but that size, Andrew, I cannot think of since maybe oh, I'm trying to think it's been, it's been a long time since the NFL has seen a superstar quarterback that was under what a prototypical quarterback size is. I mean, yeah. if he's not super tall, he at least weighs uh, like a, an NFL quarterback, um, you know, so maybe Lamar Jackson, and that's just because he's an elite, elite rusher. Um, it, you just don't find slim guys at the quarterback position that do a lot of good or short guys. So let's get, let's get the big guy. Let's get the guy with all the physical traits in the world and see if we can't develop him with our new offensive staff that we're probably paying a lot of money to. I'm excited to see how, what that looks like, by the way, but yes, Joe Milton, if he reaches his full potential, he's Cam Newton. He's got yeah. so much potential. We've got two picks left. First one, Marcus Rosenmead, Jack Saint, a guy who has okay length, six one six two, but his wingspan is fantastic. Yeah. He yeah. has a large catch radius, and that was kind of put on display at the Senior Bowl. I wasn't really even aware of his game just because he was so underutilized at Georgia. But this guy is—he's got some talent. He's got what it takes to be a good depth receiver at the NFL level. The Steelers have. Guys like Miles Boykin that are going to be hitting free agency potentially if yep. the Steelers decide to not bring them back. I mean, you don't know for sure what you have in Kelvin Austin. You have, you think you right. have at least a good return man, but Steelers got to add more depth at some point. Rosemary Jack Saint would make a lot of sense in the later rounds. And then you finish this mock draft with Michael Barrett, linebacker that I'm very familiar with, with from Michigan, yeah. six year player. What do you like about these two picks? Yeah. So starting with, Rosemary Jack Saint. I I think the Steelers are going to draft a uh, uh not a quarterback a wide receiver. I I just they just do that. You know they draft wide receivers. So why stop now? Um, I think that they're going to do that. <coughs> Another Georgia guy. So the ties are there to what they like to look for. And then I I say uh, Rosemary Jack Saint is George Pickens light because he plays a similar style ball uh, to George Pickens. A lot of body control catches. A lot of um contested catches part of that's because he's not a very good route runner uh he doesn't have a lot of upside as a route runner but um just one of those guys who like you said the the wingspan the the reach and um the the athleticism is definitely there at the catch point so um a possession receiver is kind of what i i had him uh down as a guy who can run you a, a 10 yard dig and, and get your get your first down uh a corner route posts and, and, and a lot of vertical stuff as well. Uh, just getting down the field and, and uh, using that 50, 50 
specialism to his advantage there. So uh, that's what I like about Jack Saint. Um, and I do think that, you know, with some development, he could turn into a really good player. Didn't get a lot of opportunities at Georgia, but a very talented wide receiver. And then Michael Barrett, I, I wanted to talk about earlier, and we didn't get to it um, at the third round pick that instead of Mason Smith, you could have gone with a linebacker here. There's probably going to be a lot of those guys on the board at this point. Um, I mean, the names that that come out around this this time and a lot of mock drafts are uh, Peyton Wilson, uh, your your boy, Junior Colson, who I think is probably going to go earlier uh, based on my thought process um, and what you see out of him. And a lot of scouts, a lot of top end scouts have him as their number one linebacker in the class because of his his size and, and range. But, um, you know, you've got a bunch of guys in this in this area that could come out at linebacker. If you miss out on those guys, then I love Barrett from Michigan. I really do. He he's a Andrew, tell me if I'm wrong about this, but when I watched his film, I thought that he actually had a really good coverage instincts for a lot for a linebacker. I really did. I yeah. I don't think he's going to be the downhill uh, ground and pound type linebacker that's going to be stuff in the run all the time, but I think he's got some coverage upside and he he's going to ride under the radar because you have a junior Colson on that team because you've got so many just Uber athletic freaks that have more upside, if you will, as, as all around linebackers that'll go earlier in the draft. But to me, he's, he's got some of the best tape of any of the linebackers in coverage uh, of any of the true linebackers. So I really, really like him. If he lasts till round seven as a, as a guy you could snag with your last pick and feel good about, maybe feel a little bit better about him developing into a usable player than you did uh, Mark Robinson, even because of his lack of experience. Yeah. With Barrett specifically, he's a guy you just get the sense. He's going to find a way to stay in the NFL for a while. It may not be as a starter. I think he does have some athletic limitations, just doesn't have a long frame. Uh, You know, he's, he's, we'll see what he runs at his pro day or, you know, we'll, we'll see, how well he does test athletically, but I, I'm I'm intrigued by the fact that, like you talked about, the instincts and the uh, just the fluid, the fluidity and coverage is something that was put on display at Michigan for several of the past years. He was a leader on that defense. He has leadership qualities. He's a good locker room guy. And he's a guy yeah. that can help you out on special teams. The Steelers really yes. haven't found that Robert Spillane guy that could just do a, a little bit of everything ever since they let Robert Blaine go. Now you look at Robert Blaine, he had maybe his best year of his career this past season oh, yeah. with Vegas. He had a fantastic season. So I think that Michael Barrett, he could be a Robert Blaine type guy. Someone who may not test the greatest. He may not have the greatest numbers yeah. overall, but he's seen a lot of football. He knows enough to be a leader, regardless of what role he has. And whether that be on special teams as a backup, maybe someone who develops into a starter like Spillane yeah. eight years down the line. I think he's going to find a way to stay in the NFL, regardless of how how much playing time he gets. He's going to find a way to stay in the NFL, um, and I agree with you know whatever else you say. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, Tyler Matakevich is is a good comp for him yeah. because not the most athletic guy, but a, a good core special teams type player um, with some coverage upside. That's what you had Matakevich for. He wasn't going to go in and and again stuff a bunch of ru- runners, but um, you know get in there on third down and and spell a guy and and try to stop a tight end. I think, you know, he's got 
Barrett's got that type of upside, maybe a little bit more because I do think he's a little more athletic than than uh, a Matikevich, but that type of play. Well, Jeremy, I like this mock draft. It, it was interesting. It was good hearing your analysis behind the picks. Um, it's been a while since I've had a seven round mock come out. Probably when we do mock 3.0, I'll have one come out correlating yeah. with it. But um, I really like it. It, it. it has it fits a lot of needs that the Steelers have. And if you're looking at this from you know a pre free agency perspective, which is really difficult, I think it put it puts the Steelers in really good position. I mean, that means the Steelers probably just selected a corner in free agency, which I like. And the Steelers, prop, maybe they added to the linebacker room or they brought back the guys that they originally had uh, this past season is, um, as well as Kwan Alexander. So uh, it's going to yeah. be interesting to see what they do. Uh, but before we close, give us uh, what you have coming up on the Steel Curtain Network, whether it be podcast or editorial. Yeah, well, a final thought on this. Um, I just wanted to co- kind of go ahead and throw out a prediction for the Steelers draft. And that is that one of their fourth round picks will be moved in a trade. Um, I, I don't think they're going to pick back to back in the fourth round. <laughs> that to me, when Omar Khan sits there and looks at his draft board, I think he looks at whatever the second pick is uh, of the fourth round, 121 or whatever, as like free money <laughs> to throw around at, at something. So don't be surprised if the Steelers try to do something like their second and one of those fourths to move up in the second and make sure they get a Zach Frazier or something like that. Or, you know, they're in the third round and they've got plenty of guys on the board that they would like to get. They're, they're going to just drop out of that. Um, and then, you know, use their third rounder and, and maybe a fourth rounder to get into the fifth round and maybe a, another third rounder. They're not going to pick twice back to back in the fourth round. That's my prediction for, for the draft there. So, uh, and then, uh, what's coming up. I'm going to, I've got a spotlight on Cooper DeGene coming out, um, on the, on the steel curtain network.com. That's going to run right before the combine, probably Tuesday, I think, uh, is when that's going to run. Definitely check that out because I think if you, if you watch that highlight reel, I put on in the article and you read what I say about him, you're going to come away saying this, is this has to be the guy. <laughs> If the Steelers don't go in the trenches, this has to be the guy. So uh, definitely read that. And then uh, the draft show on Wednesday, the the Q&A, just recorded that on Sunday with uh, Tate. We had a good discussion on quarterbacks and more. Check that out. Uh, and that's what's up for me right now. Be sure to check us out, steelcurtainnetwork.com, fansfirstsports.com. Be sure to follow us at FFSN underscore NFL. Uh, be sure to check us at fansfirstsn at Steel C Network. Be sure to follow us. Tell your friends about it. We're growing something great here at Steel Curtain Network and Fans First Sports Network. Tell your friends that are into the draft. Fans that, you know, maybe, you know, borderline draft, but they want more information. Get them in. Get them on our draft show. Uh, we're going to have some special guests that will be coming on. Uh, we're trying to get some prospects lined up as well. We have a lot coming up, so make sure you check out all of the great podcasts here at Fans First Sports your one-stop shop for all things NFL and every sport out there, and obviously the Grand Steel Curtain Network. Thank you so much for checking out today's show. We'll see you next week on the Steelers. Thanks.